Thank you, Jesus. Wasn't that a great message? Amen. Someone say, my trust is in God. Shout, while others put their trust in horses and in chariots, I choose to put my trust in God. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. We're still talking about the grace of God. And the title of our series is Destination Galatia. And today we are in Galatians chapter number 4. Hasn't this been a blessing? Amen. To know that we have freedom in Christ and that we are not bound by the laws. Amen. And to know that we do not have to keep the law to be in relationship with God, but Jesus Christ kept the law for us. Amen. I said amen. And that's good news. That's good news. And every time we preach that way, people come to us and they say, Well, Jesus Christ himself said, I did not come to destroy the law, which he did. And uh, they say that he said, I came to fulfill it. And the reason why he came to fulfill it was because you could not fulfill it. So he came to fulfill the law for you. And I usually say this to people that insist on the law. You know, one of the laws that we find uh, in the Old Testament amongst the 613 laws that we see in Scripture is that you shall bring a fattened cow or animal every single year to the priest of the house so that they can offer it to God as a sacrifice for your sins annually. And I always turn around and I ask them, when was the last time you brought a fattened cow to church so that the pastor could offer it for your sins? And they always say, well, we don't do that anymore because Jesus came. And how many of you know that there are a lot of things we don't do anymore because of Jesus coming? Amen? I said amen. Jesus came to give us liberty and freedom from, last week we said, the curse of the law. And we are no longer under the curse of the law, but we, are now, we have now been transferred to the blessing of Abraham. Not the blessing of the law. But the blessing of Abraham. Amen. Now, going to Galatians chapter number 4. Today we're going to be learning about sonship. Our sonship in God. Amen. And the one thing I need you to note is that every major revelation that God has released in the past has always been challenged and faced with abuse. Amen. When God uh, released the revelation of uh, the charismatic movement. You remember the story? Uh, back in the 70s and way before that, back in 1909, Seymour uh, in um, uh, Los Angeles, California, there was a revival that broke out for three and a half years. And when God released that move into the earth from that revelation, when someone sought that revelation and received it, there were several abuses as well running parallel to the true uh, move of God. I mean, we had people that started believing and thinking that the presence of God was where the noise was. <laughs> Amen? 
So they would come to church and instead of seeking God, they would try and stir up something so that people could get into a place of noise so that they can prove that God is in, uh, uh, is in the house. And if you come to the 90s, to the 70s actually, we have the movement of faith. Where we were teaching, uh, the church was teaching that whatsoever thing you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive it and you shall have it. And the abuse was whatsoever thing without understanding that that phrase whatsoever thing means the rematos, whatsoever thing that has been provisioned by God. So people went around, I'm sure you remember, even in the 90s, people would go around claiming people's houses. Because they were told that whatsoever you say, you receive. I mean, I'm driving my car, park it at church, and everyone is claiming it. I claim this car in Jesus' name. What am I going to use after church if you claim it? You remember? Whatsoever thing you desire, we had people desiring other people's husbands. I guess the Bible said, whatsoever thing you desire... In fact, there was a woman in Texas who had a mock wedding because she desired to marry Kenneth Copeland and to be her husband. And there was a slight problem because Kenneth Copeland was married. And how they dealt with that is the power of life and death is in your tongue. So they released death towards Gloria Copeland so that Kenneth could be a bachelor again. But how many of you know that that doesn't work? Amen. Amen. So what am I saying? What I'm saying is every time you listen to the word of God... If you don't listen in context, you're going to run with it to the other extreme and you will live your life in abuse. Amen? The message of grace has been abused. A lot of people think that when we teach grace, we're giving out a license for people to sin. People have been doing very good sinning without a license. We're not doing that. Amen? What we are doing is we are freeing people to know that God's acceptance of them is not dependent on their performance. Because if it was, they would still fall short. Because God says, your own righteousness is as filthy rags in my eyes. It does not cut, it does not meet the standard. That's what God said. Amen? So there is going to be abuses, but don't go on the abuse. Stay in the lane. Amen. God has freed you. You don't need to perform to get God's acceptance. But because God has freed you, now you can perform free of any challenges and condemnation. Hallelujah. I mean, this message will take away all of the condemnation from your life. Galatians chapter number 4. Listen what it says, verse 1. Now I say that the heir, as long as he is a child, differeth nothing from a servant, though he be lord of all. But he is under tutors and governors until the time appointed of the father. Even so, we, when we were children, were in bondage under the elements of the world. But when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his son, made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem them that were under the law, that they might receive the adoption of sons. And because you are sons, someone shout, I am a son. Even the ladies are sons, amen. amen. Sonship has no gender. There will not be males and females in heaven. Amen. Sonship is sonship. All you have to do is get on the ship and you become a son. Amen? Amen. Someone shout, I am a son, am a son. of the Most High God. Most High 
Watch what he says. And because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Now that phrase, Abba, Father, is no special uh, uh, magic meaning. He's just saying, Father, Father, in two different languages. Amen? What is he saying? He is saying he has given you the right by becoming God's son to call him father. Amen? And that's the reason why they wanted to stone Jesus. The one time he healed the sick, uh, um, uh, raised the dead, and did all of the mighty miracles, they came to him, getting ready to stone him, and he asked, he said, for which one of these good works are you going to stone me? And you know what Jesus, uh, the Pharisees say? They said, we're not going to stone you for any of these good works. But we want to stone you for you being a man calling God Father. I mean, to the Jewish community, you could not call God Father. And this is why Paul is bringing it again to the church at Galatia to say, listen, not only have you been adopted by God into his family, you have now become sons. And God's first family has shifted from the Old Testament, the Old Covenant, from the Jews as a nation to the ones who are under Christ, the heirs who are under Christ. For the Bible says, if you be in Christ, then are you Abraham's seed, and therefore an heir according to the promise. Hallelujah. So in this season, God's favorite is not the Jews as a nation, as a tribe. It is the Christians, the ones that are in Christ. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. So someone shout, I am a son. These are the words that were used to describe your state before you became a son. The Bible says you were blind before that. How many of you know that we were blind, but now we can see? Amen. Now we can see into the spiritual realm. Now we can see life as it really 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 is why because we see, we see through the lenses of god's word the bible says we were lost and now we are found amen we have been found by jesus the bible says before we received this sonship we were dead in our sins even though we tried to be morally morally right the bible described our state as dead See, because if you're not in Christ, you are dead in your trespasses. Watch this. Go with me to Ephesians chapter number 2. So you can see your state and what God did. Lord Jesus, I'm going to read from verse 1. This is good. The Bible says, and you. Someone say me. me. See, you are in the Bible. <laughs> Told you. You hath he quickened. Hath he made alive who were what? Dead in your trespasses and sins. Wherein in times past you walked according to the course of this world. According to the prince of the power of the air. The spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. Among whom also we all had our conversations or our lifestyles in times past, in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. But now, Amen? But now, 
But now, but God, who is rich in mercy for his great love, wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath he quickened us together with Christ. By grace you are saved. And has raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness towards us through Christ Jesus. For by grace are you saved through faith, that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Amen. Man, I'm saved by grace. Not of my own works. Not because of what I do. I am saved because of what Jesus Christ did for me. Go with me now to Luke chapter number 15 from verse 11 to 32. So you are a son and you can call God Father. Amen? Amen. With no intimidation, no guilt, God is your Father. Glory to God. Oh man, this is good. To know that God is my father? That's good news. Luke chapter number 15, verse 11 to 32. I want to show you something about this relationship between father and son. This is what it says in verse 11. And he said, a certain man had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of my goods. That falleth to me, and he divided unto them his living. And not many days after the younger son gathered all together, and took his journey into a far country, and there wasted substance with riotous living. And when he had spent all, there rose a mighty famine in the land. He began to be in want. Stop right there. The Bible says there were two sons. The younger son went to the father and said, Father, I'd like the portion of my inheritance right now. And then once he got the portion of his inheritance, there was nothing wrong with getting the portion of his inheritance. Okay? In my opinion. I think what was wrong was him leaving the presence of the father. Because in typology, the father represents God. And sin does not affect your... How many of you know that even though he was in a far away land, he was still the father's son? How many of you know that even when you sin and you have neglected the responsibility that God has given you as a Christian, a believer, you are still God's son. But the thing that you lack is fellowship with God. Amen. For you to be a, a complete son that take us, takes advantage of the things that God has freely given to us, you need both relationship and watch this, fellowship. See, because when he moved away from fellowship, scripture says he began to be in want. If you see yourself in want as a son of God, ask yourself if you are still in fellowship with God. Because if you are, it's impossible for you to still be in want. Why? Because God himself will fill you up even when you don't have food on your table. God himself will be adequate for you. 
David said it like this. He says, I've been young and now I'm old, but not a single day have I seen the righteous forsaken or their children beg for bread. Why? Because the righteous are in a constant, consistent, watch this, fellowship with their father. He who dwells in the secret place of the father speaks of fellowship. Amen. Amen. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High God shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. He has to abide. You have to make God's presence your permanent residence. Why? Because you want to. Not because God forces you to. But guess what? If you fall off from the fellowship, are you still God's father? Are you still God's son? Yes, you are. Are you still going to heaven? Yes, you are. But guess what? You'll have a tough time here on earth. See, because protection is in the house of the Father. I mean, when he left that roof, that fellowship of the Father, and went away, I mean, his life got so bad, he was about to eat pig food. A lot of Christians who are not in fellowship with the Father are eating pig food. And here I'm not talking about bank accounts. Because I know billionaires who are eating pig food. Amen. Never fulfilled. In fact, I knew a man who was a multi-millionaire. We had to pay other people so they can get him to go to sleep. Can you imagine? Paying other people so you can sleep. Multi-millionaire. So not fulfilled with his life he had to bring children over to his house every now and again so he could relive his uh, childhood pay them money amen what what he was looking for was in the relationship with god so being in want has got nothing to do with material things if we had to get down to it because I know a lot of people with material things that I want. <laughs> Being in want has everything to do with whether you are connected to the source of life or not. Whether you are in fellowship with God or not. This is why Paul said, I'm content. Contentment is not being comfortable where you are. But it is being content where you are. It is waking up every single morning and saying, thank you, Jesus, for where I am today. This be the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Because of my fellowship with the Father. A lot of Christians have a relationship with God, but it's time to step it up so we can also have fellowship with Daddy. Watch this. Go with me to Psalm 91 so we can read together. So you can see the benefits of being in fellowship with God. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. Psalm 91. Notice what it says. He that dwells. That's how it starts. He that dwells. See, a person that does not have fellowship with God does not dwell. That word dwell means to take up permanent residence in. <laughs> Your proof of residence at the bank must say the presence of, of the Lord. What's your permanent address? What's your proof of address? God. God's presence. Amen? And notice, it didn't say, He that visiteth the secret place of the Most High God. A lot of people are comfortable just visiting. The mindset of visiting 
the presence of God. Oh man, God came down today at church. No, that's not, that's not how it's supposed to be. God is with me all the time. And God is not only with you when you have a goosebump. God is with you all the time. And when you become aware of it and you cherish it, you step into fellowship with God. How many of you know that you can be in fellowship with the Father at work? You can be in fellowship with the Father in your car? You can be with fellowship in, with the Father in everything that you do. Just knowing that, listen, I'm with God. God is with me. And he will never leave me nor forsake me. He that dwells, not he that visiteth. He that dwells in the secret place of the Most High God shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. What is he going to say? Verse 2. I will say of the Lord, this is the believer speaking. I will say of the Lord. You can only say this if you have fellowship with God. If you don't have fellowship with God, you will say something like, well, I don't know how I'm going to make it. When you don't have fellowship with God, you will say something like, well, I'm broke. But when you have fellowship with God, this is what you say. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge. He is my fortress. My God, in Him will I trust. Next verse. <laughs> and notice what the Holy Spirit says. Did I tell you? This is the only scripture where the four characters that are important to make your life a success are available the first one who said he who dwells in the secret place of the most high god that was the holy ghost now jesus is speaking and you came into the fold and you said something about god said i will say of the lord and now jesus is speaking and you're gonna see what god the father will say at the end jesus says surely he shall deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the noisome pestilence he shall cover thee with his feathers and under his wings shall you trust his truth shall be your shield and your buckler thou shalt not be afraid for the terror by night for the arrow that flieth by day why for the pestilence that walketh in darkness nor for the destruction that wasteth at noonday why a thousand shall fall at thy side and ten thousand at your right hand side but it shall not come near you why only with thine eyes shall you behold and see the reward of the wicked why am i going to see this he tells you next verse because you have made the lord which is my refuge even the most high god thy habitation when did i make him when i chose his fellowship and I made it, and I made him my habitation. When I chose to spend time with God, how many times? All the days of my life. What happens? Next verse. There shall no evil before you, neither shall any plague come near your dwelling. For ye shall give his angels charge over you, to keep you in all your ways. They shall bear you up in their hands, lest you dash your foot against the stone. Thou shalt tread upon the lion and the adder, the young lion and the dragon shall you trample under the feet. Now God the Father comes into the fold. And watch what he says. He says, because you have, he has set his love upon me. This is God speaking. He's saying, because he has set his love upon me, what am I going to do? Therefore I will deliver him. 
I will set him on high. See, you, you don't have to set yourself on high. God will set you on high. If you make him a priority, he will make you a priority. Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord and what will happen? He will lift you up. A lot of people have been trying to lift themselves up. No, that's not your job. It's God's job to lift you up. How many of you know that promotion does not come from the east or the west? But it comes from above. Amen. He will lift you up. He will set you on high because yes, you have known my name. Next verse. He shall, you shall call upon me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. Man, it's a cool thing to be in trouble with God. And he says, with long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. This is what you get for being a son who is in fellowship with God. Amen. Man, you, you, you ought to want to hang out with your father. You ought to want to uh, be in fellowship with God. Amen. Now in about uh, 1400, uh, the 13th century, there was a gentleman called Martin Luther. And uh, he is the one who brought the Protestant movement. You know, by Protestant, we mean he was the first one to step out of the Catholic at the time because he caught the revelation of grace. According to the Catholic at the time, I don't know now, you needed to do certain things and to continue to do certain things so that you could maintain your salvation. Amen? And when he started reading the book of Galatians and started reading the book of Romans, he caught the revelation that, listen, this thing is by grace. It's for free. And he said, listen, this thing is by grace, man. What are these guys talking about? And he's the one who moved out and started the Lutheran church. But in the midst of all of that, he did not understand the relationship between the works and grace. Because the Bible clearly says in the book of James, if your faith is no works, it is what? D-E-A-D. Better known as dead. And he said, listen, this does not compute with grace. So what am I going to do? He took the book of James out of the Bible. Because he could not catch the revelation. Now, let me show you how these two relate. Promised to do that last week. Let's do that today. James chapter number 1. James chapter number 1. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. In fact, go to James chapter number 2, verse 17. James chapter number 2, verse 17. Listen to what it says. Even so, faith, if it has no works, is what? I didn't hear that. Faith, if it has no works, is what? Being alone. Right? Go with me to Ephesians chapter number 2 verse 8. So we discovered that works are important, right? 
Because if your faith is no works, it is what? Ephesians chapter number 2. I'm going to read from verse 8. <laughs> For by grace are you saved through faith, that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of what? I didn't hear that. Not of works, lest any man should boast. And this is the challenge that Luther, Martin Luther had. Because over there in James, the Bible is saying, if your faith has no works, it is dead. And over here in Ephesians chapter number 2, it is saying, listen, you don't need works. <laughs> and the gentleman couldn't compute. He was like, well, this, this can't compute. But what he is talking about over here is that the foundation of your relationship with God is not your works. Okay? The foundation of your salvation with God is not what you do or don't do. That doesn't matter. It's what, what, what matters is what Jesus did on the cross. Now, what is James talking about? James is saying, now that you are in a relationship with God, there is something called works that is going to happen to you whether you like it or not. So faith works becomes a fruit, not a foundation of your relationship with God. You get that? It is a someone who gives a gift. If you give a gift because you want God to bless you, you're wrong. <laughs> a lot of people still tithe because they don't want the devourers to come. You are tithing under the curse of the law. Your motivation for doing whatever you do in the New Testament must be L-O-V-E. Love. That's the New Testament. That's the New Covenant. If you do it for the fear of the devourers, you are doing it based on the Old Testament covenant. And let me tell you, that's why you're not getting results out of it. Man, I remember when I used to do that. I would sit down, get my salary, and then I would look at it. And I would calculate to the last penny. So if I got uh, 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 80,342,33, Man, I knew that all you needed to do to know what 10% is, is to move the comma one step in the other direction. I would sit down on my computer and give God 8,223 or whatever, comma three, zero. You know why? Because I'm not trying to rob God and I don't want God to rob me. That was my attitude. Let's just play fair. God, you said you want 10%. I'm going to give you 10% and don't bug me after this. But how many of you know that that's a wrong motivation? When I caught the message of grace, I started giving way above my 10% because I realized, listen, this is not because God wants me to do this. It is because I want to do it for him because I'm motivated by God's love for me, not what I do for him. And let me tell you, when you do it motivated by the curse of the law, <laughs> you're always going to break it every now and again. See, because no one has been able to keep the law. Any kind of law. Traffic laws. When they give you a contract at your workplace, they gave you a law, right? <laughs> you're going to be working from 8 a.m. to 4.30 p.m. Now we have Christians in here, so no one is going to lie. How many of you have kept to that from day one? Without any excuse. 
Nobody. So if you want to serve God on the basis of the law, Paul says, listen, you've already failed before you start. But if you serve God on the basis of love, I want to do this. I remember, man, I'll tell you, when I was in uh, college, I, I used to listen to rap music so much. And I remember uh, going to youth and, I mean, <laughs> the message of condemn condemnation was hype at the time. Eh? If you listen to worldly music, you're going to burn in hell, you know, at the time. And then we decided to have a Friday bonfire where we would bring all the things that are affecting our relationships with God and burn them. So we brought all our cassettes. I don't know if you know what cassettes are. <laughs> brought all our cassettes and threw them in the fire and said, this is what's been stopping my relationship with God. Threw them in there, man, and Tupac, Dr. Dre, just threw them. I don't want to see you ever again, <laughs> you know? And, and what was so funny was that went back to college in about two weeks time, man, I was looking for those cassettes again. <laughs> and I was saying, I want my Dr. Dre. <laughs> Amen? Because the motivation of what I was doing was not God's kind of love. It was the fright, the fear of God. When the Bible says the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom, it's not talking about when you shake and you're frightful of God. It's saying that when you are in awe of God, that's the beginning of wisdom. When you respect Him because you love Him so much, that's the beginning of wisdom. And listen, we are not disrespecting the law when we teach that the law is not relevant right now. We are actually doing, like what the Apostle Paul said in Romans, esteeming the law. We are esteeming it. We are saying, listen, the law is so high, no one could ever keep it. The law is so holy, no one can keep it. So who will keep it for us? Jesus comes on the scene, and then bam, we receive our salvation. Amen. There was a gentleman, I know I shared this story the one time, uh, uh, he went, you go to heaven, and uh, he got to the pearly gates, and uh, as he was negotiating with Peter, uh, Peter said, listen, you need a hundred points to get into heaven. And then this man said, oh, that's easy. <laughs> hundred points? And Peter said, well, give it a shot. And then the guy said, well, when I was in the earth, I took care of my wife. I never laid a hand on her. And you know what, the, what Peter said? He said, 0, 0,5 points. For doing all of that. And then he said, I gave, I gave alms to the, to the, to the poor. I went and visited the sick. I went and visited those, those that were in prison. And the guy, after saying all he had done in the earth realm, he got up to about five out of a hundred. <laughs> and then he just looked at Peter and he said, listen, if it's this tough to get into heaven, then we can only get in by grace. And then Peter said, bingo, you said the password. The password is grace. The password to a relationship with God is grace. It is not what you do. It is grace. Now, are works not important? No, they, they are. Actually, give me that equation of salvation as we close. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, yeah. So you don't need to go out there and live in sin. And give Satan an inroad into your life. Amen. That's just not wise. The Bible says do not give the devil. Place in your life. Amen. I said amen. Thank you Jesus. Is it up? Listen. Watch this. This is the salvation equation. And this is the equation that you're going to live 
all your life on. Everything you get from God is going to be based on this equation. The Christian equation says salvation, which is God's grace, plus faith, will begin to produce automatically works. Why? Because I can't help it. I have the fruit of the Spirit deposited in me, which is love, long-suffering, temperance, joy, and so on and so forth. I just can't help it but to love. Why? Because that's my new nature. So I'm not loving to try and acquire a new nature. No, I already have salvation, therefore I can't help it but walk in kindness and walk in meekness and walk in gentleness. So works become a fruit, not the foundation in a Christian's life. Salvation plus faith, faith in what? In Jesus Christ and what he did for you. Works is actually faith, but faith in yourself. I can do this. <laughs> I can keep the Ten Commandments. You know, people always fight me. Say, are you saying we should throw away the Ten Commandments? And I say, no, we should keep them. And they say, well, uh, 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 and I say, listen, Jesus kept them for us. We don't have to keep them. And they say to me, uh, no, I don't believe that. I think we should keep them. And I say, what are they? And most people can only give you up to five or six. Now, how are you going to keep something you don't even know? Amen. The only thing that's easy to keep under the new covenant is to love. <laughs> if I love God and I love my neighbor like I love myself, guess what? I've taken care of everything that God wants me to take care of. Say amen to that. The non-Christian equation. And listen, you're going to see this equation in any other religion, but it's non-Christian. It's anti-Christ. It's against what God is trying to do for you and me. What does it say? It says, my faith plus my works will produce for me my salvation. So this kind of equation will say, listen, I have to go to church every Sunday so that God can love me. No, you don't. <laughs> but you'll be stupid not to go to church because God highly advises you to be with other believers so you can benefit from the corporate anointing. But that does not determine your relationship with God. This is why I say, man, when we get to heaven, you're going to be surprised. It's some of the people you're going to see in heaven welcoming you. Because you didn't even think that they would make it. <laughs> Amen. Say, hey, man, how you doing? Welcome. He say, you made it. He say, yeah, I made it. But I knew your works. No, God is looking at them through the lenses of what Jesus Christ did. So I say this to pastors, quit being the moral police of the church. That's the job of the Holy Spirit. He will convict, not condemn. Every time men try to be the moral police, they always end up condemning. You don't pray enough. You don't read the Bible enough. You don't love enough. You're not evangelizing enough. And you will fall short. Even in the world system, that's how they take advantage of people. That there is not enough. But how many of you know that Jesus Christ is enough? Any magazine that's about self-image, pick it up today when you go home. Every page is telling you how inadequate you are. <laughs> you don't have great eyelashes, so you have to buy those ones. So you <laughs> glue them on. You don't have eyebrows, so you have to 
the, every page is telling you how inadequate you are that's the world's Babylonian system you're not thin enough you're not fed enough you're not light enough you're not dark enough you are inadequate that's the world system when you come to God you are adequate why because you have Jesus Christ who is the fulfillment of the law and the fullness of everything that you need in God and therefore you can walk in the liberty of what God has prepared and given to and for you shout, I am adequate because I have Jesus my life is wall-to-wall -wall Holy Spirit as Jesus Christ is so am I in this world did you know that just like Jesus Christ is so is your spirit is in this world you do not lack any good thing you are a son of God see Peter and all the other guys taught about being born again Paul is the only one who taught about sonship and it's a connected concept See, because once you're born again, Paul was teaching people who were Gentiles and they did not understand. See, because back in the day, once someone turned 18, even though you had uh, uh, given birth to them, they could renounce you and walk away. But man, once you get into Christianity, you are so much a son that even renouncing God is so much hard. You can't do it. There is not an, uh, enough amount of sin in the earth realm to get God to reject you once you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. It's just not enough because he's looking at Jesus and his pain and what he paid on that cross. Man, Jesus Christ did it all for you. Amen. He did it all for you. You do not lack any good thing. You are complete. Going to heaven. Sanctified. Filled with the Holy Ghost. What else do you want? Nothing. And I have to quit because I'm out of time. Amen. It's told to finish at half past 11. Why don't you stand on your feet? Thank you, Jesus. I am the righteousness of God. Father, we thank you. Father, we thank you that we are adequate. Lord, we thank you that we are complete in you. Father, we thank you that you are indeed a good God. Father, we thank you for what Jesus Christ did on the cross. That he paid for all our sins, all our transgressions, all our iniquities. No sickness can touch our body. Father, we thank you that we are redeemed from poverty, sickness and death. Father, we speak life and release life right now by your grace in the name of Jesus. Father, we thank you that as we respond in faith, we are responding to that which you have already given us by grace. Because you love us. And Father, today we declare that we will love you back. Father, we declare that we will not walk in condemnation. Father, but that your grace will strengthen us. For you said in your word that your grace is made perfect in our weakness. Father, we thank you and we give you glory and we give you praise in the mightiest, mightiest, matchless name of Jesus Christ. And everyone said, Amen and Amen. Well, we love you. God bless you. And remember these words. Keep walking by faith and not by sight. We love you. God bless you. Amen.